With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. A life of crime can lure people in with the promise of easy money, but it comes with many hazards. If you're going to meet someone to buy or sell drugs, it could be a setup for a robbery. At about 3 o'clock in the morning on February 17, 2019, outside of a jack-in-the-box fast food restaurant in Everett, Washington, this scene played out with deadly consequences. Now, being someone who spent most of his life in the Pacific Northwest, I can tell you that nothing good happens on the streets of Everett at 3 a.m., but it's usually drug abuse and petty crime. This morning, two separate groups came up with a plan to rob each other, and when they finally met, it caused a bit of an altercation. Instead of cutting their losses and fleeing the scene, one of them pulled out a gun and fired. This is Monsters. Cody Anderson was a local Everett resident who sold drugs. Brianna Reynolds was one of his regular customers, and on February 15, 2019, she conspired with a 19-year-old named Raul Cuadros and another man named Oliver Rosales to set up a drug buy, but to rob Cody instead. The meeting was set to happen at a Motel 6, and when Cody arrived, Raul and Oliver were hiding in the bathroom. When Cody pulled the drugs out to weigh them, Raul and Oliver came out of the bathroom and robbed Cody at gunpoint. They stole meth, heroin, and a backpack that contained a Galaxy Note tablet, a portable speaker, two journals, and $60 in cash. Cody ended up telling his friends about the robbery and told them that he wanted to get revenge. One of those friends was 33-year-old David Wright, a recent parolee from the local prison. He had a long rap sheet for petty crimes such as theft and drug possession. Despite only being free for the last week and a half, it would become clear later that David thought he was smarter than everyone else and helped plan out this act of revenge. It seemed that the stolen drugs didn't last long for Brianna and her partners because only two days later she was ready to buy more. Clearly, she couldn't get drugs from Cody, so she called another drug dealer named Christopher Phelps and told him she wanted to buy some drugs. Christopher set up a time to meet them outside of the Jack in the Box restaurant on the corner of Evergreen Way and West Casino Road in Everett. Being a good friend of Cody's, Christopher told him about the meeting and Cody decided he'd rob Brienne and her friends in retaliation for robbing him two days earlier. In reality, Brianna had no interest in buying any drugs. She and Raul were ready to carry out another robbery themselves. Now, this is where it starts getting confusing. Though it doesn't seem like there was any motive for her robbing Cody outside of greed, she had a reason to rob Christopher. 
she was going to do it in retaliation for him having robbed her a few weeks prior. So Brianna was setting up a drug buy to rob Christopher out of revenge, and Cody was setting up the same drug buy to rob her out of revenge. Seems like a great situation. Cody asked Christopher if he had a gun, but he said no and refused to go to the meeting with him. He suggested Cody call David Wright, who would be willing to go with him and was known to have guns. David brought an M&P 9mm pistol with him to the meeting. Raymond Tannehill drove Cody and David to the Jack in the Box, and once there, they put on bandanas and confronted Brianna, who was already in the parking lot. Cody and Brianna argued about the property she had stolen from him, with Cody telling her to give him his stuff back to make it easy on herself. Brianna responded that Cody could have his stuff back when he, quote, pried it out of her cold, dead hands. How dramatic. Brianna and Raul tried to walk away, but Cody followed them and grabbed Brianna's purse. Brianna turned and sprayed Cody with mace. As Cody ducked the spray, David pulled out his handgun and fired a single shot that hit Raul in the chest. Both David and Cody fled the scene while Brianna tried to give first aid to Raul. She also saw that Raul had a revolver in his waistband, so she grabbed it and hid it in her purse. Raul died shortly after. Immediately, David buried the 9mm in the ground behind an electrical box. They were then picked up by Raymond and dropped off at Christopher's house so they could change their clothes. The investigation led detectives to Brianna, who told them about being confronted by Cody and that David had shot Raul. They recovered the revolver that Raul had on him and Cody's belongings. Detectives arrested Cody, Christopher, and Raymond, who all confessed to the planned robbery and pointed to David being the shooter. They recovered messages over text and Facebook between David and the others involved where they made plans to meet and carry out the robbery. On February 20th, 2019, authorities finally brought David in for an interview. The investigators had a lot of evidence to prove that he was the shooter, but David believed he was the smartest guy in the room. At this point, you're literally the last person we've talked to. And the only person that has a, an allegiance to you is Chris. So, I mean, obviously people are not going to be shy about telling us who was there and who did what. And plus, we have video which you know because you guys called the 7-Eleven to see if they had video. So... Jack in the box. Jack in the box, excuse me. <laughs> There's video at the Chevron. There's video at the Shell. You know that we have all your co-suspects under arrest. Like, all I want from you is a reason. I understand what happened, I just need to know why. The only person I know you have under arrest is Chris. Okay, we have Cody under arrest. Brianna's actually under arrest too, because she was stupid. And we have Tannehill, that's his name, Ray. Right. He's in custody as well. We have his car. The car that was used. The car that was at Chevron, in our impound. They are all under arrest. You were the last. The investigators explained to David that everybody else involved in the robbery gone bad had told them that he was the one who shot Raul. David shrugged that off and said something along the lines of, quote, well, they'll say anything to not catch a murder charge. But it was multiple people who weren't from the same group who said that. 
There would be reason to believe that Cody would say it was someone else because he was there. But Brianna also said David was the one who shot Raul and she had no reason to lie. Christopher wasn't at the scene and Raymond was in the car based on the stories that, again, multiple people from different groups told. That meant that David and Cody were the only two who would be in a position to shoot Raul. But according to David, he wasn't even there. He didn't know Cody, had never met him, and had never been in a car with him. He told the detectives that he had been with his girlfriend, Katie, all weekend. This is how this plays out. Your girlfriend's going to be dumb enough to provide you an alibi on a murder charge. And then she's going to get roped up in a murder as an accessory. If you care about that person, you have just set her up for failure. So I'm letting you know, as trying to be decent with you, like this isn't a, we're going to trick you into saying something. This is a explain what happened because it matters for you later. You're going to be charged with murder one. Whether it stays murder one, that's up to the prosecutor. If you're cooperative, you know from past cases, I'm assuming, that that charge can change up and down. So I'm just asking you to make a decision, and I'm not going to sit here and, and talk to you for 45 minutes and try to beat it out of you, because that's not where we're at. We're beyond us trying to trick you into saying something. That's why I just laid out for you kind of where we're at, because there's no game that I need to play at this point. David didn't seem to care that he might be setting his girlfriend up to get in trouble. He stuck with the story of never having been out of the house all weekend, until that story changed. When the detective asked him to explain the messages between him and Cody about meeting up, he said, quote, Just because I met with him doesn't mean I killed anyone. He finally told the detectives that he did go down the block to meet Cody, the same Cody he claimed earlier that he didn't know. He said that Christopher had sent Cody to him to buy a gun. David was going to sell him a shotgun, but Cody wanted a handgun, so he left without buying anything. Of course, it's important to point out that David had been out of prison for a week and a half and as a felon, shouldn't have been in possession of any firearms. The detective didn't really care about that, though. He has another question. Why did you leave that out when we first started talking? You think that might be important that the guy under arrest for murder came to your house looking for a gun? Well, if I had given him a gun, then I think that that would be important. Well, it shows his intent. I mean, of course it's relevant to the case, right? People buy guns for all sorts of reasons now. Yeah, but in this instance, there was a murder with the guy that had just come to your house. I just asked you about. Why was Cody wanting to buy a gun relevant? Because he's accused of murder and that information would help your case, moron. This guy thinks he's a genius. The investigators explained that they have him on multiple surveillance cameras in the area. He's on camera by the electrical boxes, the same ones where he hid the gun. He's on surveillance at a nearby Chevron getting out of the car. David maintains that he wasn't there. The detectives just must be hallucinating. With the evidence authorities have, if David was really that smart, he would stop talking and ask for a lawyer. He eventually did get to the point that he wanted to stop talking, and it's based on some bullshit outrage. Well, I don't want to talk to somebody that's going to keep on calling me a liar. I have yet to call you a liar. You've made the implication that I'm lying to you. Because you are. 
But there's a difference between calling someone a liar and then pointing out inaccuracies in their story. There's a big difference. One is disrespectful. The other is not. Yeah, well, if you perceive something to be one way or... Have I been disrespectful to you? Have I been disrespectful to you? Have I insulted you or, or come at you hard or done anything other than You called me a liar. Yes, you did. You were lying. I'm not lying. Do you not freely admit that you lied to me in this interview? Where did I lie to you in this interview? About meeting up with Cody. We'll start there. About being home, not going out at all, and then now you periodically are going out. Would you not concede that both of those things were lies? I don't go farther than a couple blocks from my house. On foot, to meet somebody very quickly and come back. Okay. That's not so, what you told me. That's said, you don't leave your house? house? I don't leave my house. I was home all weekend with my girlfriend. It's on tape, man. There ain't no secret. I, Dude, I've got to walk my dog. Of course I leave the house periodically. Okay. But as for did I go anywhere? So you were never at casino in Evergreen, anywhere near there within three or four blocks Saturday night. I just want, want to make sure that we have this down. Let's see. Something. How far is the Starbucks on Evergreen? Which Starbucks? The one on 75th. Yeah, no, Too I'm not talking about that. Okay, yeah, then no, I wasn't. Okay. So you're at the Starbucks on 75th? Earlier in the evening, yeah, like 8 or 9 o'clock, something like that. Well, that's not home. Did you lie to me? Can yeah. I, get a, I don't even get a smile out of that one. I didn't, I didn't get you on that one. I feel like I got you on that. Were you in a car? You're on foot? I rode my bicycle. To 75th? Then how'd you get home? I got a ride from her with my bicycle in the back of her SUV. So there was a car. Did I get you there? I feel like I got you there too. No? You didn't lie to me about being, being in a car? I feel like you did. I wasn't in a car when I went to the Starbucks. I wasn't even at a car leaving the Starbucks. And you three years old, are you doing the, are you doing the six-year-old thing on me? Like, you're, you're an, an adult man. Calling someone a liar is not an outright insult, especially if they're lying. Even if the investigators are wrong about David being the shooter, which they aren't, he still lied multiple times during his interview. He thinks he's really smart and can play a game of semantics about little things and that will get him out of answering questions while claiming that he technically didn't lie. It seems to be a common practice amongst people who think they're smarter than they really are. The detective finally got fed up with his games and started asking David for direct responses to specific questions. This makes David visibly uncomfortable. He tries to explain that he doesn't have a rigid schedule for himself, so he can't possibly be expected to remember what he did on Saturday. It was only four days prior. Then he told the detectives that what he did on Saturday during the day wasn't relevant to what happened Saturday night into Sunday morning. He's told that knowing what he did meant they could find some information that could help his case. But if I'm chipping away at that timeline, right, it can be exculpatory for you, meaning that it excludes you as a suspect. I know, my vernacular is very good. Sweet. So, you don't have to explain your words to me. 
But dude, you can act like you're uh, upset about that. You're not. So let's move past it. The fact that you're talking to me like I'm a child. You're not, I'm, I'm not talking to you like a child. Upsetting. What did I, how did I talk to you like a child? Tell me when. You I think you have I've to been... explain a word that you're using to me. Most people don't know what that word means. I well, apologize most people are fucking people. idiots. And there it is. Genius David Wright thinks that most people are idiots. That's rich. He seems to have a triggering insecurity of other people thinking he's stupid, and it's probably because he is. If this interrogation has shown us anything, it's that David is absolutely not the sharpest bulb in the tree, if you know what I mean. Not long after this point, David finally did stop talking and asked for a lawyer. The detectives placed him under arrest. David Wright was charged with one count of first-degree murder, one count of second-degree murder, and two counts of unlawful possession of a firearm. Cody pleaded guilty to attempted first-degree robbery and testified against David at trial. Brianna also testified at trial, and both said that Raul had made no threats to David and had not reached for the gun he had on him. When the revolver was recovered, it was not loaded and ballistic experts found cobwebs in the barrel. David eventually took the stand and admitted to having been with Cody on the night of February 17, 2019, and confessed to having shot Raul. In his version of events, he did so because Raul had pulled a gun from his waistband. The jury found him guilty of murder, and David had already pleaded guilty to the firearms charges. The judge sentenced him to 40 years in prison. Some people think they're smarter than everyone else, but then go on to make horribly stupid decisions. Sometimes the smartest thing someone can do is not act like a monster. If you're the victim of domestic abuse, please reach out to someone for help. Please talk to your local shelter or call the National Domestic Abuse Hotline at 1-800-799-SAFE. That's 1-800-799-7233. Or you can go to thehotline.org to chat with someone online. This website is set up so that, at any time, hitting the escape key twice will take you to a Google search page. That way, if your abuser is nearby, you won't get caught seeking help. If you're having feelings of harming yourself or someone else, or even just need someone to talk to, please contact your local mental health facility. Call 911 or call the National Suicide Prevention Hotline by simply dialing 988 in the United States. They're available 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, and will talk to you about any mental health issue you may be facing. If you are a member of the LGBTQ community and suffering from discrimination, depression, or are in need of any support, please contact the LGBT National Hotline at 1-888-843-4564 or go to lgbthotline.org. Thanks so much for letting me tell you this story. If you enjoyed it, subscribe on whatever platform you're on, hit like, rate us, or leave us a comment. You can check out our other show, Somewhere Sinister, on YouTube or anywhere you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to support the show, check out our merchandise at thisismonsters.com. The link is in the description. Thanks again, and be safe. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.